WTTM CVS 003. Hey everyone, Paul here. It looks like this coronavirus thing is here to stay. Well, at least for a little bit. So to kind of offset the fact that we can't go to the Disney parks and resorts or pretty much anywhere else currently, uh, we've decided that we're going to release some early episodes of Window to the Magic that most of you have probably never heard. What I'm talking about is the first 10 episodes that we ever produced back in the fall of 2005. These episodes were released back then, and then they were removed over a decade ago so that we could use them as a fundraising option. And, you know, by now, I think pretty much that's kind of run its course. And I think it's more important now to share with you guys this awesome old audio that we have than to worry about whether or not it's going to work as a fundraiser. And so for each day for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be releasing a new episode. Now keep in mind, these episodes are not recorded in binaural. They are recorded in stereo. At that time, I was walking around with a stereo microphone attached to the top of my shirt so these are going to sound a little bit different from what you're used to in more recent episodes, but I know you're going to enjoy them. So sit back and enjoy classic Window to the Magic episodes in our Coronavirus Special Edition episodes, WTTM CVS, that's Coronavirus Special. Enjoy! You're listening to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. Brought to you by windowtothemagic.com. Surround yourself with the magic. Hello and welcome to the Window to the Magic podcast. My name is Paul and I will be your host on this trip through Disney sound experiences. Now today's podcast is a very special podcast for me because it is my birthday. That's right, today I'm 39 years old. And so as many of you could probably tell just by doing the math, uh, that makes me born in 1966. So what I've decided to do is to make a podcast tribute to 1966 Disneyland. Now, a lot went on at Disneyland in the 1960s, uh, including the new Tomorrowland and other assorted things. And, of course, there was the World's Fair that was going on over in New York. Um, unfortunately, all the new Tomorrowland stuff was uh, was to come in 1967. Magnification. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a trip through, take a look at uh, exactly what uh, what was new, what was removed to put in the new, and, uh, you know, exactly what was happening in the park in 1966. Now, as many of you will recall, uh, December 5th, 1966, was Walt's 65th birthday. And this was quite, uh, quite a happy birthday. He was uh, celebrating the centennial of Disneyland Park, and uh, was looking forward to Walt Disney World opening. Unfortunately, on December 15th, 1966, Walt Disney did pass away. 
Now this uh, is definitely something that was felt around the world. Um, I, I would say that if I was around at that point, uh, and more than just about four months old, that uh, I would definitely have recalled that. Everybody that I talked to is, is uh, definitely, uh, that's something that sticks in their mind as, uh, as a big, big event. But what we're going to feature here on this podcast is not the sad things that happened in 1966, but the good things. And uh, following the close of the World's Fair in New York, Walt Disney decided he was going to move the popular attractions uh, called Small World and the Primeval World, uh, which was part of the uh, Magic Skyway attraction, to Disneyland. Uh, He had moved great moments with Mr. Lincoln to Disneyland the year before. Uh, Walt also uh, approved and dedicated New Orleans Square, which uh, ended up being the final area of Disneyland that he would physically work on. So now what we're going to do is we're going to hear a few sound clips. Uh, We had talked about It's a Small World. I'm going to go ahead and play two or three little clips here real quick, Uh, just a sample of some songs uh, surrounding the Small World attraction. And uh, the first one of these is uh, actually Dick Sherman and Ginny Tyler uh, doing a demo recording for Walt Disney of, uh, of the It's a Small World theme song. Uh, the other two I'll, uh, I'll let you listen to and then I'll let you know uh, what they were when I come back. One, two, three. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware. It's a small world after all.
Oh, don't you love that? Uh, that would be the Baja Men uh, doing It's a Small World off of one of the Disney Mania albums. And uh, then as well, uh, the Japanese version of It's a Small World uh, from Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, a lot of the stuff uh, in Tokyo is, uh, you know, obviously copied from Disneyland and uh, Walt Disney World. Uh, but they have chosen to transmit uh, some of the uh, some of the attractions. They translated them over into Japanese. Others they chose to leave in English. It's kind of interesting uh, watching the mix uh, that they have. Now the second thing uh, that uh, we're going to play for you is uh, a segment of the Walt Disney World Railroad uh, where we go through the Grand Canyon and the Primeval World. Now, the Primeval World was part of the attraction that was built for the Ford Motor Company uh, Magic Skyway for the 1964-1965 World's Fair. Once it, was, uh, once it was closed, Walt decided that he wanted to move that uh, segment of the attraction all the way out uh, to Disneyland and put it in uh, on, the, uh, on the train. Now, this is still there today, so uh, for those of you who are uh, just now taking your first trip to Disneyland, if you want to see a, uh, a great piece of Disney history, uh, ride the train, and uh, this you'll find it between Tomorrowland and the Main Street Station. It's actually quite, uh, quite interesting to see exactly what they did. They don't try and hide the fact that, uh, that they're just dioramas and that you're just uh, kind of sitting there as you're uh, going by on the train. You can see all the lights and the ceiling and everything. But they're uh, they're a lot of fun. They're uh, they're actually quite uh, quite good for what I figured they were doing in 1964, uh, etc. They were uh, quite quite advanced, and that just goes to show you just how uh, creative and ahead of the curve uh, the folks at the Disney Company were back then. So let's go ahead and start our ride uh, here. We're uh, going to join the train already in progress uh, at the Tomorrowland station. And uh, we'll follow it all the way through until we get to Main Street. Uh, so here we are, uh, part of the Magic Skyway attraction and move to Disneyland. This will be the Grand Canyon and Primeval World Dioramas. To those of you joining us here, welcome aboard the Disneyland Railroad. Please remain seated while the train is moving, keeping your hands and arms inside the car. And no smoking, please. We're now about to travel along the rim of the Grand Canyon. All the animals, trees, and birds you will see are typical of those actually found there. Our train will then carry us back millions of years in time, back to a day when mighty dinosaurs ruled the swamps and marshes of the fantastic primeval world. And now, the Grand Canyon. That's the spectacular Grand Canyon as we know it today. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, 
Millions of years ago, warm primeval seas covered the region we call the Grand Canyon. Strange creatures crawled from the seas, and later, giant animals roamed over the swamps and marshes. Our ancestors never heard the sounds we're about to hear, nor saw the sights of this fantastic primeval world. We're now approaching the Main Street Station. If you are disembarking here, please remain seated until we come to a complete stop. Then kindly gather your belongings and step carefully from the train. Now, while we're talking about the train here, uh, in 1966, uh, something interesting occurred because of the construction that was going on at, uh, at Disneyland. They actually renamed uh, the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad Station. Uh, they changed it from the Frontierland Station to the New Orleans Square Station. So previously, that uh, recording that we all uh, here in the park would have said that it was stopping at uh, Frontierland Station. And uh, after July 24th, 1966, it was changed over so that it, uh, it said the uh, Disneyland Railroad New Orleans Square Station. Now, speaking of things that have been uh, removed and or changed in the park, in 1966, uh, actually in January, a uh, place called Hobbyland, which to be honest with you, I had never heard of uh, before, uh, was closed. This was apparently a hobby and model store that was uh, in the Tomorrowland area. Uh, the Midget Autopia cars in Fantasyland uh, close and make way for uh, for the actual full-size uh Autopia cars. Uh, let's see, it looks like in August of 1966, the 11 year old exhibit of movie sets from the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea motion picture is uh, is closed and uh, and they took them out. Now this was originally designed to be a temporary display uh, to kind of fill up a, kind of a, a waning Tomorrowland and uh, it ended up staying for 11 years. Here, Captain Nemo entertained his guests at the organ. Through the starboard viewing port, you see the giant squid, which was actually used in the movie. The squid attacked the Nautilus with its 70-foot tentacles and almost killed Captain Nemo. Around the salon is part of Captain Nemo's extensive library and specimens of deep sea life. In the next corridor, you will see part of the mechanism of the submarine and a view of the Nautilus in its last resting place at the bottom of the sea.
September of uh, 1966, the Art of Animation exhibit uh, in Tomorrowland is closed. And, unfortunately, the Flying Saucers in Tomorrowland also are closed in September of 1966. Now, these uh, Flying Saucers were closed because uh, th it was absolutely just too difficult to keep those things running. Uh, we were talking with Bob Gurr the other day at the NFFC convention, and he was telling us about just how much of a pain it was to keep those things working. They just, uh, they just didn't work. Uh, just the slightest uh, bit going wrong would shut the entire thing down and it would make this huge, uh, like a sonic boom uh, that would, uh, you know, you could hear it throughout the park and people would say, well, there goes the uh, flying saucers again, they're down. Uh, also closed uh, in September was uh, the Rocket to the Moon attraction. Now, the Rocket to the Moon attraction was the precursor of the Mission to Mars attraction. Uh, and uh, let me go ahead and play a little bit from uh, from Rocket to the Moon. That's a little, uh, that, that's a fun track. So I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of that right now. Welcome aboard, friends. This is Captain Collins. Now, first, let me assure you that TWA has taken every precaution for your safety during this flight. We're proud of our safety record. And aside from a few brief moments of weightlessness, you'll suffer no discomfort in outer space. Please observe the two television screens. The upper screen looks ahead. The lower scans the view below our ship. Both will be turned on at takeoff. Attention, please. That was the breakthrough. We've passed the sonic barrier. Our altitude is now 25,000 feet, and our rate of climb has reached 1,000 feet per second. Just outside our field of vision is Halley's Comet. I'll bring it into view by rotating the upper scanner. This comet is just a collection of frozen gases. Think of dry ice and you have the right idea. The tail of a comet becomes visible as it approaches the sun, and the closer it comes, the longer the tail appears. The tail of Halley's Comet now measures 12 million miles, and it will probably grow longer. This is the 17th known appearance of this comet. The earliest recorded was in the year 240 BC, the last in 1910. The comet appears at approximately 76-year intervals. Now, watch the upper screen. In relation to the Earth, we're going behind the moon, which appears to eclipse our planet. By the light of our flares, we get a close-up view Number of the moon's flare. mysterious Fire. craters. Now, even in this enlightened age, we still aren't sure how they were formed. Some scientists believe they were created by volcanic action. Others Fire. insist they were blasted out by the bombardment of meteors. It's now an established fact that the moon does have an atmosphere. Although it's a million times lighter than that of the Earth, Fire. it is dense enough to reflect radio signals. But as far as breathing is concerned, you might as well be in a vacuum. As we complete our circle, the Earth again comes into view. Although the nose of our ship is now pointing precisely at the east coast of America, during the trip back, the Earth will, of course, continue to turn, bringing California, our destination, into the proper position for our arrival, as indicated by the superimposed crosshairs. From this position in space back in the 1950s, we would have seen Southern California only as a great hazy brown spot. Friends, that was smog. Today, in 1986, many of the children aren't familiar with this word, because fortunately, this great hazard to happiness and health was eliminated once and for all about 15 years ago. 
ladies and gentlemen, we have just landed at Disneyland. We were very happy to have had you aboard. We hope you enjoyed your TWA rocket flight and that you will be flying with TWA again soon. This is your captain signing off. Now see what I mean? That's uh, that's just some classic Disney fun right there. That's uh, that's the sort of thing that we're really not getting anymore. That's that uh, kind of edutainment, uh, education and entertainment uh, that kind of go hand in hand in the early days of Disneyland. Um, but anyway, back to what uh, what we were talking about here. Uh, looks like the Tomorrowland Jets uh, actually closed in Tomorrowland uh, in September of 1966 as well. Now, they didn't actually really close. Um, what uh, what ended up happening was they were renamed and moved up to the uh, to the top of what would become the People Mover track, uh, and, and we're all well aware of uh, of where that was. But right in the center of uh, of Tomorrowland, they were put all the way up at the top, and frankly, that's where they should be now. The Astro Orbiter out in front, uh, up there by Buzz Lightyear and uh, and Star Tours, and that's not where it should be. When we ride that. Uh, attraction we should actually be going up into the air and when you put it up on top of the uh, put it up on top of the people mover track there you do actually get to feel like you're flying and that's uh, that's an important thing also closed in September of 1966 was Monsanto's Hall of Chemistry now the Hall of Chemistry was a display that was uh, put in by the Monsanto company talking about all the fantastic things that they could do and uh, this actually paved the way for the opening of the Adventure Through Inner Space. Now, I, I love the Adventure Through Inner Space. It's one of my favorite all-time classic attractions. Uh, let's go ahead and hear just a little bit of that right now. For centuries, man had but his own two eyes to explore the wonders of his world. Then he invented the microscope, a mighty eye and discovered the fantastic universe beyond the limits of his own meager sight. Now your adventure through inner space has begun. Through Monsanto's mighty microscope, you will travel into the incredible universe found within a tiny fragment of a snowflake. I am the first person to make this fabulous journey. Suspended in the timelessness of inner space are the thought waves of my first impressions. They will be our only source of contact once you have passed beyond the limits of normal magnification. I am passing beyond the magnification limits of even the most powerful microscope. These are snowflakes, and yet they seem to grow larger and larger. Or can I be shrinking, shrinking beyond the smallness of a tiny snowflake crystal? Indeed. I am becoming smaller and smaller. These tiny bits of snowflake crystal tower above me like an enormous wall of ice. Can I penetrate this gigantic prism? And yet this wall of ice only seems smooth and solid. From this tiny viewpoint, I can see that nothing is solid, no matter how it appears. And still I continue to shrink. What compelling force draws me into this mysterious darkness? Can this be the threshold of inner space? What are these strange spheres? If I reach the universe of the molecule? Yes, these are water molecules, H2O. 
They vibrate in such an orderly pattern because this is water frozen into the solid state of matter. These fuzzy spheres must be the atoms that make up the molecule. Two hydrogen atoms bonded to a single oxygen atom. And I see it's the orbiting electrons that give the atom its fuzzy appearance. And still I continue to shrink. Is it possible that I can enter the atom itself? Electrons are dashing about me like so many fiery comets. Can I possibly survive? I have pierced the wall of the oxygen atom. I am so infinitely small now that I can see millions of orbiting electrons. They appear like the Milky Way of our own solar system. This vast realm, this is the infinite universe within a tiny speck of snowflake crystal. And there is the nucleus of the atom. Do I dare explore the vastness of its inner space? No, I dare not go on. I must return to the realm of the molecule before I go on shrinking forever. Oh, how strange. The molecules are so active now. They have become fluid, freed from their frozen state. That can only mean that the snowflake is melting. Melting. Yes, the snowflake has melted, but there is no cause for alarm. You are back on visual and returning to your normal size. This has been one of many exciting adventures through inner space in a never-ending search for new ways to rearrange molecules for the benefit of mankind. Now, in our display area, you will see modern miracles created by rearranging the molecules of not only water, but of air, coal, petroleum, and many other raw materials. This is Monsanto. Now, you see, that's, uh, that's the type of thing that, uh, that I like at Disneyland. That's uh, the type of thing I would like to see brought back. But uh, I think we've all kind of moved uh, a little bit beyond that. I don't think anything like that would ever come back to the park because it just wouldn't be accepted by a majority of the people. The reason I like it is because I've got that, uh, that feeling uh, from having seen it years and years ago. And uh, it really wouldn't be anything that, uh, you know, if it hadn't been in previously, I probably wouldn't like it either. Um, but I do have that uh, reminiscent uh, longing for it, and uh, and that's why I would like it back. But uh, you know, that's uh, that's Disneyland. Walt said it would always be changing, and certainly it uh, it does. Now, speaking of uh, of changes at uh, Disneyland, uh, continuing on here, it looks like one uh, one last thing that I can think of uh, that changed in September of '66 was the clock of the world. Uh, now this was that clock that was at the entrance, uh, which I, I believe is approximately where the Astro Orbiter is now. Maybe it was a little farther back. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, it was right between the uh, the uh, what is now Star Tours and Buzz Lightyear. So it was actually farther back than that. But that was the clock where you could do the amazing. You could actually tell the time anywhere in the world. Now this, uh, you know, for 1960s, uh, 1950s, and 1960s, that was fantastic stuff. Now I can do that with my watch on my wrist. 
so you know that's not something that uh, that needed to stick around but uh, definitely classic uh, classic attraction classic thing in Tomorrowland and uh, definitely something that uh, that needed to be removed when they upgraded to the uh, what would be the new new Tomorrowland of uh, 1967 I've got two more things to share with you before uh, before we end this uh, this edition of the podcast and uh, that would be uh, actually a look back at the ticket prices and uh, and the admission prices of Disneyland in 1966 now while we're looking at uh, the general admission prices for the 1966 adult which included no attractions uh, those were sold for the whopping sum of two dollars per person the 1966 junior tickets and that at the time uh, was 12 through 17 Again, general admission, including no attractions, that was sold for a buck twenty. And the 1966 child ticket, which was three through eleven, not three through nine, but three through eleven. Uh, again, general admission with uh, no attractions included, sold for sixty cents. Now, obviously, you could buy ticket books uh, that had a combination ticket. Uh, the, you know, the uh, the Big Ten ticket books, etc., uh, that would have different tickets, but. Uh, a tickets back uh, back in 1966 were each valued at 10 cents a piece. B tickets were valued at a quarter a piece. C tickets were valued at 35 cents. D tickets uh, they were actually a full 45 cents, which uh, you know you're really pushing it there. But then uh, of course the fantastic E ticket attractions they were an incredible 60 cents. So you're looking at uh, at actually. If you brought in a child uh, to the park, you actually doubled the price of admission just by going on a need ticket attraction. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a quick way to make some money there. They definitely knew what they were doing. They uh, brought people in with a low price and, uh, and then upsold them. And that was, uh, that was definitely, uh, definitely a good way to market it. Get people in. They don't have to do things. They can take a look around, and then, of course, everything looks so inviting uh, that they would uh, want to buy those tickets and get in there. Now, the uh, final segment of my birthday podcast here is going to be a little piece uh, of, uh, of audio that was recorded back uh, a couple of days ago at Disneyland. I thought it was very nice. I was very touched uh, that the Disney company did this for me. Now, uh, you know, not considering myself to be a super fan or anything like that, I'm just uh, just a regular guy who likes Disneyland. Uh, but for them to uh, to set something up like this, uh, I thought it was really uh, really nice of them. So uh, let's go ahead and give this a listen here, and uh, you can see what happened. Come on, everybody! It's time to put on your golden ears and sing Happy Birthday to Paul.
All right, all right. So I admit, um, <laughs> I did that. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, that was from the uh, from the 17th uh, of July celebration for Disneyland, and uh, I just went ahead and played around with that and uh, and inserted that in there. But hey, it would be nice if they did personalized uh, birthday songs like that with the fireworks and the whole shot and the professional announcer. That would be great. Uh, well, anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening to the special Paul's birthday podcast uh, here at windowtothemagic.com. The email address is podcast at windowtothemagic.com. Or if you want, you can give us a call on our audio hotline, which is 206-984-WTTM. That is 206-984-WINDOW-TO-THE-MAGIC. We'd love to hear from you if you call us uh, and leave a uh, commentary there. Uh, be sure to leave an email address. We'll go ahead and edit that out uh, for uh, when when we play it. But uh, I would like to be able to get back to you uh, at your email address and uh, let you know that I got your voicemail and uh, if you have any questions or whatever, or just to say thank you for leaving the message. Again, you've been listening to the Window to the Magic birthday podcast. I appreciate you coming down and hanging out. Uh, if you're just downloading this directly, uh, it would uh, be appreciated if you would subscribe to it directly. That'll be the easiest way for you. It'll automatically download whenever there's a new episode. You won't have to worry about coming out. You just start up iTunes or any other podcast aggregator and uh, and tell it to, to uh, sync up and it'll go out and it'll get all of your podcasts. So anyway, as always, I am Paul. This is the Window to the Magic podcast and I thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time when we'll play another podcast game. Okay, so there you have it. The next in a series of shows that we're sharing with you, classic Window to the Magic episodes to help you get through your coronavirus isolation adventure. We hope that you're enjoying these classic Window to the Magic episodes from 2005, and we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. But for now, this has been a Window to the Magic, the ultimate Disney audio adventure. Stay healthy and stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you tomorrow.